All right, welcome back to One True Podcast. Alongside me, as always, it's John Werner, who was just uh, primping himself a minute ago, making sure he looked good for our <laughs> Zoom audience. <laughs> I had the alfalfa thing going <laughs> for, for, our, for our older listeners. It's the uh, joys of working from home, I guess. And then uh, uh, joining us this week, spe- our special guest is Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoma. Jenny, thanks for hopping on. Good to be here. I would have been primping too, John, but uh, we had a press conference to go to today, so I actually have my, actually have my camera ready face on today. There you go. <laughs> Definitely have the advantage. <laughs> uh, Jenny's been with the Oklahoman for this is football season. I love how we count in football seasons. Uh, number twenty four uh, yeah. there at the Oklahoman, uh, but you're a columnist. You cover a lot of different things, including the Thunder. Correct. So. Yep. Uh, I mean, she's all over the place, but uh, thanks for hopping on for sure. Let's dive in, guys. So, um, John, last week was kind of a surprise. Baylor uh, hit the road. Uh, Well, so last week, let's back up first of all. They go on the road. They win in impressive fashion against Texas Tech, 45-17. to Certainly, we didn't see that coming. Um, You and I both picked Tech to win. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they hit the road for the second straight week this week when they go to Norman. Little jaunt up 35. Um, that game last week against Tech was certainly Baylor's most complete performance of the year. Offense, defense, special teams. Uh, meanwhile, the Sooners are in the midst of probably, a you know, a disappointing season in, in Sooner country. I mean, by their standards. Um, and yet. To me, this feels like a really tough game to pick. I don't know who to take. Yeah. So how do you guys see it? Jenny, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those close games. I mean, I haven't picked many blowouts this year in Big 12 play, guys. I mean, I don't know how your picks have gone. I think I picked OU Texas to be a pretty big blowout because of their backup quarterback situation. I just didn't like the way that was trending, and I was proven right. But, mm-hmm. you know, a week ago, I thought Oklahoma State and K-State I know we're going to talk about Oklahoma State here in a little bit, but that was a blowout I did not see coming. <laughs> Agreed. Um, you know, I thought I, I I think I picked Baylor to win last week, but I definitely didn't have that kind of blowout. You know, we just haven't seen many blowouts in the league this year. So right. I think this is a close game on Saturday between Baylor and OU. The thing that makes me uh, go with Baylor is Oklahoma just hasn't shown this team hasn't shown its ability to beat the really top level teams in this conference, Um, beating Kansas, beating Iowa state, obviously good wins for a program that had been dying to get back in the win column, but still those teams are teams you would think are down at the bottom, uh, you know, bottom half of the league for sure. Um, So I just, I still, I want them to prove it before I pick them. So I'm picking Baylor to win, I think by, you know, three, four points, something close, but I still like Baylor to win this one. Yeah, uh, John, you do a picks column for us. Uh, are you going to wait till deadline on Thursday night to, to make that pick? <laughs> what do you say? I kind of want to. Uh, I, I'm kind of like Jenny. I, I think I'd give Baylor just a slight edge. Um, I don't think they're going to rattle Dylan Gabriel like they did uh, Baron Morton. Mm. I mean, he's a veteran. Right. Uh, he looked he – looked, severely rattled in that game with Baylor's pass rush through some really bad passes into coverage. Um, but OU doesn't really get a very big pass rush. And I think Shapin's 
probably going to have some time to throw. Uh, I think Richard Reese has proven he can run on anybody. I think Baylor's old line's getting better. They're probably playing at the level most people thought they would now. Uh, but then again, they are one in 14 in Norman. <laughs> and I know they played some really good teams. But I'm going to take Baylor, like Jenny, kind of like my few points. Certainly, uh, I feel like Baylor is trending in the right direction. Uh, these last couple games, they seem like they've started to figure some things out. But Oklahoma's won its last two games, too. And, and they seem like certainly offensively are coming around. And then I guess, uh, who'd they play this last game? They played pretty good defense in that one. Yeah, at Iowa State. they and, and their defense, for the first time really all year, kind of played the hero at the end, get the interception to seal it away. You know, not a game that they won by, you know, it wasn't 42-41 type of thing. They actually were able to hold Iowa State in check. Iowa State, not a great offense, but a really good defense. So, you know, for OU's defense to stand up and they won the turnover margin, that was big, Um, you know, did some really nice things defensively. But what you said is right, Bryce, they're not going to get a huge pass rush, I don't think. So Mm -hmm. if Blake Shapin and the run game for Baylor can take advantage of that, um, you know, I, that's, that's definitely gonna, that's, I think the game turns on those, on those lines of scrimmage can OU's offensive line has been good. Um, maybe one of their, really one of their strongest strengths of the year, which we didn't know if that was going to be the case or not, but they've gotten really nice play out of their offensive line, but that Baylor defensive line can be a whole other animal if it gets going. So how does OU's offensive line handle that? side of Baylor's defense. And then on the flip side, you know, can, can that OU defensive front, can they get some pressure? Can they, you know, blitz a little bit, get some linebackers, uh, safeties involved, maybe rattle some, some cages, but that to me is going to be a really, it's a big inflection point in this game in my mind. Yeah. So Jenny, I went to a million years ago, I went to uh, Oklahoma Baptist university in Charlotte. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I was surrounded by Sooner fans, and I still have a bunch of Sooner fan friends. Uh, the one thing that I know they agree on is that Lincoln Riley is like pu- public enemy number one. Oh, yes. That is <laughs> he's, not he's right, he's right up there with Kevin Durant. Uh, but uh, you cover this team all the time. I mean, what's kind of the general feeling among Sooner fans about, you know, this season? And are they still, you know, behind Brent Venables? Obviously, it hasn't gone the way they wanted. No, not at all. You know, I think that obviously Brent Venables was a very popular hire uh, when Joe Castiglione pulled the trigger after Lincoln Riley left, obviously a known commodity around here and had had such great success at Clemson over the last decade. You know, really, uh, probably you could say the best defensive coordinator in all of college football really over that decade. Um, So I think a lot of really high hopes that he would just come in and pick up you know, where the program was and then improve what else needed to be improved. Um, But the transfer portal hit OU probably harder than a lot of people wanted to admit. They lost uh, a decent amount when Lincoln Riley left and they lost a decent amount to the NFL. I mean, they lost five defenders who were taken in the NFL draft. So they just by, just by that measure, they were going to have some talent to replace. So, um, you know, I, and, and truthfully, if you go and look at, Big 12, all Big 12 teams, the Big 12 team at the end of last year and the, pre, the preseason Big 12 team this year, 
Oklahoma just didn't have many guys represented and there weren't a ton of guys you could point to and say, man, that guy should have been on there over this guy. Mm. Their punter was a first team, a preseason pick, but you know, Marvin Mims, the the receiver is really good, but could you replace any of the receivers that were first team? No. I mean, like there's just a bunch of those examples. So the talent is not what the talent has been. And it has been going steadily downhill over the last few years. I think Brent Venables in this group is seeing the unfortunate fruits of that. Plus, they're also really, I mean, they brought in a new offense with Jeff Levy. They brought in a defense, obviously, with Brent and installing those those uh, those two uh, offense and defense and then getting the players that they want to run it. it. It's just like they've got personnel that were brought in to run different stuff. So in reality, it was going to take some time, but I think the expectation was, you know, last time OU made a coaching change, it went from good to great. And, you know, by God, Brent Venable's coming back. It's all going to be fantastic. And I think the reality, it was never probably going to be as good, but it was hard not to think, well, Oklahoma just keeps being Oklahoma. Mm. Um, But I think that's, I think a lot of people in the fan base obviously want better, but I think there's also an understanding that, and whatever amount of time Oklahoma is going to go to the SEC and Brent Venables knows how to beat SEC teams because he did it at Clemson. And so having a team with a defense that can compete in the SEC is very important. So I think there is that grinding in a lot of OU fans heads like, Oh, three losses. Ugh, this is terrible. <laughs> but then there's the recognition of like, okay, you know, if, if this team is better prepared for the SEC in a couple of years after this and the next few years, then I think that'll be a lot easier pill to swallow. Yeah, good points. So let's talk about that other Oklahoma team. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't I, ask I, me to explain what I saw last Saturday. That's I, all I asked. I, don't I mean, I was just stunned. It was really stunning. Uh and Mike Gundy was very candid about his assessment of the game. <laughs> yeah. Had to put in some bleeps, you know. Um, yeah, K-State just trampled Oklahoma State. What, what was it, 48 to nothing? Is that the score? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I was stunned. Uh, not that K-State won, but because I uh, I did pick Oklahoma State, but uh, just how lopsided it was. I don't like Jenny said. This league has been parody filled this year. Um, so where does Oklahoma State go from here? Um, and do you guys think that they could get it together and potentially get back to Jerry World? John, uh, I'm going to say the odds are against them to mm. get to get back. Um, looking at K State's schedule here. Uh, they've got a home game against Texas, and then they go to Baylor, to West Virginia, and close at home against Kansas. I think they could win all four of those games. Uh, I think three and one's a, a very likely scenario. And uh, yeah, I just think they've got the edge there. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, obviously Oklahoma State still has to play Oklahoma, and they've got two. Well, they've got some winnable games here, Kansas. Iowa State, West Virginia. I mean, those are winnable, and uh, but they would have to have uh, TCU or um, or K State really stumble a little bit for them to get back. Yeah, I think that the head the head to head tiebreakers that Oklahoma State doesn't have, mm. you know, with losing to TCU, losing to K State, 
um, they're going to need help. You know, they're going to need help from some other teams and not to say it couldn't happen because, um, you know, there, I think there are some, you know, just because of the way the league has gone, you could see some teams beating those two teams. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's, it, it's going to require help for Oklahoma state. And it's also, I think there's a big question mark this week heading into that, uh, heading into that game at Kansas is quarterback health. Um, Spencer Sanders has been dealing with questions about his shoulder basically since the TCU game, but he's played through it. He's very tough, very tough guy. So he's handled a lot of pain, I think. But last week at K-State, when we saw him leave that game, ultimately, he was in as much showing as much pain visibly with his shoulder as I think we've maybe ever seen him show in a game when he was hurt. So is he available? I'm sure they're doing everything in their power to get him ready to go. He'll probably want to be out there, even if they have to duct tape his arm, you know, <laughs> in, into place. I mean, but I, I just don't know. I don't know what his level of, um, you know, health is and how effective he's going to be. I think I saw something the K-State defensive coordinator said today that, you know, they'll be the same offense regardless of who their quarterback is. Well, if you're if you're playing a fourth year starter or a, a walk on who's never started before, I'm not sure I believe that. So mm. that Spencer Sanders is one of the best quarterbacks in the in the conference. And so to not have him would be a huge thing. And, you know, obviously any loss at this point would almost for sure knock the Cowboys out of that Big 12 conference uh, title game conversation. Yeah, they have very little margin for error, for sure. Whereas, you know, somebody like TCU has all the margin, uh, you know, going undefeated thus far. I still think a fall is coming for the Frogs, and it's probably that game at Texas where Gary Patterson will scheme up something for his old team, you know. (laughs) It's a great point. Yeah. uh, So let's dig into this K-State team a little bit more. So um, here on our podcast, we've given a lot of credit this year to Sonny Dykes at TCU. I mean, that's been a, an incredible story. Um, you know, we talked last week a lot about Joey McGuire and sort of the fit there in Lubbock. I feel like that guy fits West Texas. Uh, and then Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks to me, even, you know, with this recent kind of losing streak are still the story of the big 12. Um, but we probably haven't talked enough. Um, and that's my fault about, K-State and Chris Kleiman. So Wildcats are second in the Big 12, right behind TCU, four and one in the conference. Really good shape to, to make the Big 12 championship game. It would be their first appearance since 2003. Um, and we're all old enough to remember that. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what impress, impresses you guys about this team? And is Kleiman kind of like you know, maybe Joey McGuire at Tech or whoever, uh, is he like that perfect fit in Manhattan? Hey, you know, first off, I'll say, I'll give you guys a little pass for not maybe talking as much about K-State because when they lost that game to Tulane, I think it really took the air out of that team, you know, and lose that game to Tulane at home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even if they went after they went to, to OU and won, I think a lot of people said, eh, you know, maybe that's an aberration. So, and then I, I think a lot of people started talking about these other teams, you know, OSU starts to rise, TCU's obviously winning, um, OU falling. There's just a lot of oxygen going to other teams, but 
pretty clearly K-State has righted the ship from that two-lane game. Um, I think they win in a lot of the same ways with this team as they have with a lot, or they did with a lot of the Bill Snyder teams. They don't beat themselves. They don't do dumb stuff very often. And they've got offensive and defensive lines that know what they're doing and they Mm. can be effective. Um, So I do think it's a good fit, uh, Kleiman and K-State. The one thing that's interesting to me about Chris Kleiman is, you know, when he comes in, he comes in with this pedigree of being this great offensive mind. He's developed quarterbacks at, you know, the lower levels at the FCS level. You know, they're going to they're going to play K-State, you know, tough nose, hard nose, defense, offense. But they're going to add in all this offensive flair with Chris Kleiman. And that hasn't happened. So I keep thinking I really thought Adrian Martinez would be that guy this year. He's kind of been mm-hmm. where I think they want to get, but not to that level yet. So I'm curious to see if, you know, in the next couple of years, if maybe Kleiman can get one of those types of quarterbacks, what next steps he could take at K-State, because pretty clearly he is the type of guy that really resonates with that, with that program and with that fan base. Mm-hmm. John, what do you say? Yeah, like Jenny said, these are looking, this is looking more like a Bill Snyder kind of team, playing really solid defense, obviously extremely good defense last week. Uh, But yeah, they're one of the top defensive teams in the league. They got a really great uh, centerpiece player in Deuce Vaughn. And, uh, you know, Will Howard has stepped in and done a great job at quarterback after Martinez got hurt. Uh, He was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week this week. So uh, they look really solid to me. And uh, like Jenny said, who would have thought after that Tulane game? I I was ready to kind of write them off. How do you lose to Tulane at home and then have a good year? But, man, they've bounced back pretty big. And uh, they're they're a very good team. It's a head-scratching year in the Big 12. (laughs) Can't figure out any of these teams, but – uh, hasn't Deuce Vaughn been there about 10 years? I mean, I mean, it feels like it, you know. All right, yeah. He's yeah, wasn't he, spo- wasn't he supposed to be done with Brees Hall? Deuce and Re- Brees, weren't they supposed to go out yeah. together? How, why right. is he still there? Yeah. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break one of my own rules. Uh, and it's supposed to be what said in the press box stays in the press box. But last week in Lubbock, somebody said something about Deuce Vaughn being there forever, and I said, Well. After this year, they'll be able to drop a deuce. <laughs> this is the kind of junior high humor you get on our podcast, Jenny. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, gosh. Uh, so it is Halloween week. Uh, yesterday, as we record our podcast, was Halloween. Um, and uh, I'm interested to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, you know, this is the Super Bowl of candy holidays. You know, kids just you know, get going a absolute sugar bender. Um, at our house, we had what I would call the trash candy. Uh, Walmart was kind of sold out. <laughs> and so we had like the lollipops and the uh, Smarties and that, that stuff. I mean, you could see the kids looking down like, oh man, this is what I got. <laughs> um, but for you guys, you know, when you're indulging, uh, what's the, what's the go-to candy prize? What do you, what do you really want? You know, we, I was over at some friend's house. Uh, we, you know, did the, the, the kids walking around, but then did the kit, the candy handing outing. And I got talking to one of the other adults and we were talking about Rolos, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I had Rolos and, you know, I thought, 
these are pretty good. But then in my adulthood, I kind of let them go. But man, those little guys are outstanding. <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 back on the Rolo bandwagon. And but I also hey Butterfingers and mm. those those are fantastic. And you can't beat a Reese's peanut butter cup. I mean, <laughs> to me, that's the MVP. I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's the gold standard. John, <laughs> what do you say? Well, this is pretty high level trick or treat. You probably probably like maybe one house and like <laughs> in the town might have it. Caramel apple. Oh, that's really cool. Some nuts on it. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know if anybody ever hands those out anymore, but like when I was a kid, if you went to the right house or you knew somebody that regularly handed those out, that that was your go-to house. You're so health conscious, John. I I mean, I got one in my fridge right now. This is your cheat day. (laughs) No, I'm with Jenny. I mean, chocolate and peanut butter is a hard combo to uh, to mess up. I agree that chocolate and caramel is pretty dead gum good too, but yeah, I mean, I always, I always love a Reese's. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, Jenny, I did want to ask you one other thing. I'm kind of going off book here. So earlier uh, on our podcast, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Blair Kirkhoff as our special guest, which completed, uh, you know, I don't know that we were shooting for this, but uh, we have had in the past, we have had you on the podcast. We've had Max Olson on the podcast. We've had Joseph Duarte and Blair sort of uh, completed the foursome, the Mount Rushmore and what I'm calling (laughs) the panel, uh, the media panel that has uh, joined this new Big 12 show. I asked Blair about it. What's that uh, been like? And um, do they give you guys carte blanche to kind of talk about whatever you want to talk about yeah yeah we got asked the four of us got asked before this season if we'd uh hop on a weekly panel to talk about goings on in the big 12 and it's been a lot of fun you know it's uh a lot of game talk but also you know this this is there's been no shortage of off the field stuff too um you know whether it's this new media rights deal or obviously the new commissioner um you know now we're we're starting to yeah this is partially on the field but now kind of trying to guess what's the college football playoff committee going to do how are they going to look at big 12 teams as it uh, you know relates to rankings now that those are coming out so um it it has been fun you know there's no there's never any shortage of stuff to talk about. I really have enjoyed that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been it's definitely been fun. And, you know, the fact that we're getting it from very different perspectives, Blair in Kansas City, Joseph in uh, Houston, obviously coming in with uh, UH next year into the Big 12. And then uh, Max from more of a holistic sort of view, he, he covers a little bit of everything. It has it's been it's been fun. It's been it's been good. And this week, the last couple of weeks, I've done it from my car, which mm. hasn't been the most outstanding thing. But sometimes, you know, we're journalists. We got to do stuff like that. Got to roll but, with it. Yeah, but I'm back in the home office this week, so I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah. So check that out, people. On ESPN Plus is where you can find it. Uh, yeah. So pretty cool. I, I think uh, Blair, uh, what he said was, this is only about 20, 25 years, you know, overdue. I mean, uh, and so I thought hopefully it's something that, the Big 12, you know, will continue, uh, you know, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So, um, Jenny, will you be in Norman or, or where you'll, will you be Saturday? I'm actually headed north with Oklahoma State to uh, to see their game at Kansas. So um, I am on the OSU 2:30 train right now. So they have had seven consecutive 2:30 games. That's and, amazing. Oh, 
That's amazing. It's crazy. It's totally insane. So I don't even right, Jenny. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't love 230 kickoffs on the road. I don't really care that much because I'm on the road, but at home, I'd prefer 11 and seven uh, just so you don't have your whole day completely, you know, obliterated by your game. But 2.30 it is. I'll be there in Lawrence on Saturday. Yeah, at least it's deadline friendly. That's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about us. Yes. Really oh, come yes. back to all it. All about us. Yes, yes. So, uh, just like when we go on a road trip, we basically plan where we're going to eat. I mean, that's the that's whole thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for hopping sure. on and talking stuff with us. And I'm sure we'll see you uh, down the road and uh, enjoy your trip. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, thanks Jenny. Jenny. All right. Bye.